Now, I have a question for you. This is your Huga question this morning. Are you ready? Do you know what a Huga is? It's a game. We play it in, in the Zillennials group that I teach. And it, all it is is a question game to make friends, okay? The Huga question this morning is, what is the most important part of your home and why? Discuss amongst yourselves, let me say it one more time, what is the most important part of your home and why? Okay, you ready? Good. <laughs> so we have been in this, uh, in this series called Empowered, right? And um, let's just start with that, Zach, with that video. Does this look familiar to any of you? If, if it doesn't, it's this, this place. Here we have the, you see the ground, we broke ground and there was all this work. I, I can remember feeling like this was gonna take forever. And it felt like it took forever. Look at all that, look at all that dirt. And we, we had to, you know, this, this took a considerable amount of time and isn't it funny too that when you look at the foundation, like if you've been in this building, you can kind of see what it was, but not really. And yet, Sean Olson, who was the general contractor of this, he said, um, he said that the finished work of any building starts with the foundation. Super important. So while we've been in this empowered series, today we're talking about empowered character. What we're really talking about is, and, and we're kind of in the second part of this, which is character. We're not talking about personality traits. We're not talking about maybe, maybe you have integrity or maybe you don't. We're talking about the things of God in you that are manifest. Does that make sense? So when it comes to your foundation, there is no, well, let me just read you 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it's referring to the fact that when you and I get connected with Jesus and he becomes a part of us, he literally is the foundation dwelling within you. Before he came into your life, you were you. Now you're something completely different. It's a whole new world, okay? You're, it's completely different. You're a whole new being. You're a whole new person. And, and he is at the core. He is the foundation of who you are. And it's, what's awesome about this is you can tap into it easily at any time. Now, before I get too far along, next week, when Pastor Russ is back, we'll be talking about empowered people fishing. Again, we're talking about evangelism. We're talk that's a scary word for some of us. It's talking about sharing the goodness that you recognize in your own life, being connected with Jesus, and, and answering the questions, hopefully, that you're evoking in other people about why you are who you are. And so we're gonna start that next week. But what I would like you to do is, and you've got, if you've, you should all have your note cards, your uh, little note sheet. So we can follow along with that. We're starting in Luke 6 of the New Living Translation. 
Let me just read that for you. It says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't know what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Well, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when those floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. You know, oftentimes when Jesus spoke, he spoke in metaphors. And most of us know what a metaphor is, but let me just tell you, in case you don't, a metaphor is like a figure of speech. It's not like, it is a figure of speech that describes an object or an action in a way that isn't literally true, but it helps to explain it. It also uses comparison. So for example, if you are the black sheep of your family, you are super loved. You're not literally a black sheep. I'm pretty sure you're not a sheep. And you're not a black sheep. But that, that comparison is used, that's a metaphor that's used to describe that maybe you're kind of a wild child, right? Jesus often spoke in riddles and metaphors like that. And it's funny because uh, it took even his disciples a while to get it. And uh, we're still getting it to this day, the things that he said. And in this particular scripture, as you know, we were talking about three different kinds of metaphors. Jesus talks about the foundation, right? The foundation is in this, it's it's the rock. He says you dig down and, and you find the rock and you lay that foundation on that rock. The second metaphor is even the action of digging deep. And then the third one is the floodwaters. Now, I'm gonna volley it back to you and to your tables. My discussion question for you first is, and I'm gonna do two. What do you think the foundation represents in Jesus' parable? And number two, what do you think digging deep represents? Hint on that one, Jesus tells us what that one represents. So, what's the foundation? What, do, what is digging deep? Go. Oh, nobody's talking. Come on. All right, have you about finished? Everybody get a chance? Got a few still chitty-chatting. Now, how many of you know that um, I'm sure that your discussions maybe went along certain bends, but there might have been somebody at your table that had a completely different idea than you. That's okay. That's okay. Um, My idea with, with the foundation is that the foundation is the stabilizing structure of your life. We kind of know that practically, right? But what stabilizes you? Jesus wants to be that stabilizing structure in your life. He is the rock, right? There's no better, there is no better stabilizer 
in heaven or on earth. There is no one better than Jesus. And by the way, I think it's relevant to mention that when a house is built on an unsure foundation, it, it ends up a little out of square. For carpenters, that's a really, really big problem. For artists, it's like, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's natural. <laughs> but it's the same thing spiritually. If your life, if you can look at and, and take an honest look at your life and say, I'm a little out of square here, this is a little wonky there, things don't line up here, then the question is, where is Jesus? That's the practical application. That's between you and him. I will tell you that this isn't about rules. It's not about following the rules and doing the religious right. It's about coming into a relationship with him in such a way that it changes everything. And he, he's always better than, than, his, than his structures. Like, if he tells you to do a thing, it's not because he values your obedience more than he values how much he loves you. Does that make sense? And so when we follow with him, we're blessed by it. That he, his return is always really good. And of course, kind of connected to that, you develop that stability by digging deep, right? Digging deep is, and before you uh, put these up there, Zach, let me go do a rundown, and then I'll do them one at a time, okay? I'm going to tell you three, three uh, connectors to digging deep. It's coming to Jesus. It's relationship. It's listening to Jesus, which is communion. And it is following Jesus' instructions. That's obedience. Okay, so let's go back. The first one, coming to Jesus. Now, <clears throat> this isn't, I, I, I really feel like, like digging deeper and coming to Jesus like, there is this connection point where we meet with him and we're changed, but there should also be some sort of an indication in your sphere, in the people around you, that you are coming to Jesus. Does that make sense? If you don't have people around you who are asking you, wow, I didn't think like that. Like, how, how did you get to that place? Or what is it about you that I'm sensing here that is just different? then we need to go back and readdress this relationship thing with Jesus. And along with it, these are all connected. These are all interconnected. It's listening to Jesus. We have a, um, we have a, a, a kind of a motto here. It's kind of a, I can't think of the word. Okay, thank you. An axiom here, which is that we're not so much about communicating with God so much as we are communing with him. Because there's a difference. You can communicate, but never really listen, never really hear. Whereas if you're communing, that speaks of time. It speaks of devotion. It speaks of intimacy. So when we're talking about communion with, with Jesus, it can, it can, you can do that in several different ways, right? How many of you know that um, you, can, you can commune with God, with Jesus, through reading the Bible. I've said this once. I've said it a hundred times, I feel like, lately. 86, 87% of Christians do not read their Bibles. That's kind of a big deal. 
Like, this isn't your instruction book. This is your love letter from God. This isn't about how you do law with him. It's how you do love with him. And this should impact your life. So if you're not spending time, and listen, listen, it's hard. This, this book can be really intimidating. But let me just give you a quick synopsis. I've had people ask me over the years, how do you get started when you're not in the habit of it? I love to tell people, hey, start with the Psalms. What, what's, what's the date today? The 30th. Is there a Psalm 30 in your Bible? You might not know that. There is. There's a th- Psalm 30. So turn to your Psalms on, cha- on the chapter of the day and read that Psalm. Get yourself activated in the discipline of reading the Word so that then God can begin to speak to you maybe differently than He has before. You've got to break down that wall of intimidation. The Word of God is beautiful. And if you will invite Holy Spirit to speak to you through it, He will. He will. Now, the Gospels are all about the biographies of Jesus, right? And I heard something recently, and I, I, I taught this the other night. Instead of, because some of you maybe you're like, oh, I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I already know, like, it's like a repeat. and well, Okay. I want to challenge you all. This week, read one chapter. Start out in whichever of the Gospels you want. Matthew's good because it's the first one. So start with Matthew. Instead of looking for miracles or like situation, here's what I want you to look for. I, I want you to reposition your mind and I want you to say, Holy Spirit, show me how Jesus interacted with people. Show me how he did people. Because we often think of him as doing like the rules, but we don't think of him doing the relationships. So start there. Let me just tell you, that's a fascinating chase. And God will speak to you through it. And of course, the Old Testament, Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. Whenever anybody, whenever God has a, has a, has a revelation for humans where he interacts with them, that's the theophany and that's Jesus showing up. The Old Testament is the history of Jesus throughout the timeline of, of a nation. And so he's there too. And by the way, Old Testament leads to the New Testament. They are connected. Okay? And it's fascinating. The last thing, the third thing here is following Jesus' instructions. If you spend time communing with Jesus, he will tell you things. What do you do with the things he tells you? A lot of times he builds us up, and those are great things, but there are pivotal times where we're seeking him for direction, and he will speak. So do you just keep it in your journal and not look at it, or do you move out in that in obedience? Maybe it's just a thought that comes to your mind in a work situation where you have some sort of an idea of something that's going on that nobody told you about in one of your coworkers, and you just have this, you're moved to do this thing, and you're like, what? Do it. Obey. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. And we know that when God speaks and when his, we get his word on a matter, we can trust it. Hebrews 4.12, through the message, it says this. It says, God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, 
There's a lot of doubt and defense going on in the world today. Laying us open to listen and to obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. When they get a piece of Jesus, man, I'm telling you, it shifts. We can't get away from it no matter what. This is our Jesus. And digging deep isn't necessarily knowing the Bible more. We're talking about the Bible. We've talked a lot about prayer before. We're talking about the Bible this morning. It's not about knowing the Bible. It's not about necessarily about being able to recite it. I know a lot of people who know the Bible way better than me. But they don't know Jesus very good. Digging deep is knowing him more. When was the last time you pursued Jesus, the reality of Jesus in your life? That's digging deep, and that's going to assure a solid foundation. So here's, here's your second or third or fourth, whatever, discussion question. Are you ready? What do the floodwaters represent? What do the floodwaters represent? Go. All right, I'm going to rein you back in again. Some of you are having a lot of fun. That's good. I'm jealous, but good. That's good. When I was a little girl, uh, I had a great aunt. Her name was Great Aunt Alta, although I just called her Aunt Alta. And every year, she would come and visit during the summer. And I loved her. One of the things I loved about her was she would tell about the flood. In 1935, a, it was called the Great Flood, um, and it hit the, the Dust Bowl region around the, the Republican River Basin, and it went from Texas to Nebraska. They were in Nebraska when it hit, and <clears throat> I was reading the statistics about it, and it was at points four miles wide, um, it was extremely devastating. And um, she was a young woman. I think, believe she was still in her teenage years. And when it hit, it came without warning. And they climbed to the roof of their house. They were farmers there in Nebraska. And they clung there. And she told the story of how she was, she was there with her dad. And when those waters hit the house, it shook it. And the house maintained for a while, and then it was swept away, and it, uh, it, it broke into pieces, and her, she was clinging to a, a board with her dad until he said, there, this won't hold both of us, keep hanging on. And she hung on, and she survived. He did not, neither did her mother or one of her brothers. Um, and, you know, floods can be devastating things. And when we talk about floods, we're talking about the trials and the troubles, the problems, the hard in life. 
It's interesting to me that in that scripture in Luke, it doesn't say if the floods come. It says when the floods come. We live in an imperfect world with imperfect setups, right? And things happen. The promise is not, it says, and this is, this is what Jesus promises through this. He doesn't promise the flood won't come. What he promises is that your foundation will hold. And listen, you better bet if he's your foundation, he will hold firm. Uh, when things go sideways in your life, and I've had experiences in my life where things did not go at all the way I thought they should have. And it's in those moments where you start to learn how you value things and people and circumstances. And <clears throat> but because you've dug deep, listen, I, okay, I, I said a few weeks back, I taught about a month, month and a half ago, I don't remember when, and we were talking about the hard, going through the hard. And I feel like sometimes when we're going through the hard, we, we, we get things all cattywampus because we're so human and we want God to fix it. Instead of recognizing and finding him, which is this, when the bad things happen in your life, it's the only time this side of heaven where you can still glorify him through the bad. Because when you get to heaven, it's gonna be good. There's something about that kind of faith, that kind of worship, where when you can't see, you're still going, but you, God. But you, God. That's indicative of a strong foundation. And sometimes I feel like we don't recognize what we have, so we actually have to go through the motions before it connects with our hearts and with our spirits, so where we're thanking God for the breakthrough before we ever see it. It's not a name it and claim it thing. I'm not a huge fan of that. But sometimes our, our souls are stubborn things. And if David can write a psalm that has gone into the annals of time as one of the greatest, oh, why are you downcast, soul? If he can speak to his soul, I can speak to mine too. And say, hey, Jesus is still Lord. Right? <clears throat> so what happens when your foundation gives away? What about you? Can you look down your back trail and go, oh man, when this event happened, this is the impact it had on me. Did you get swept away like my great Aunt Alta? Or did you somehow, even, even without explanation, you held fast? You weren't wa washed away with the flow of it all. Let's watch that video, Zach. Yeah, you guys saw this. This was last spring. This is such a demonstration on how you can have a two-story house built. Your life is looking pretty good. It's looking pretty stable. It's it's you got room to have people in, you can entertain, and you can do all the stuff. But when the waters come, it doesn't stand. This is not about, like, a, a house that's built with no foundation looks pretty good from the outside. 
That doesn't mean it's structurally sound. We have to be willing to take a look and ask some hard questions. By the way, if you watch that whole video, I'm sure many of you did, that house ends up floating along and hitting a, bri a bridge, and the house, or the bridge won. <laughs> the house collapsed. It was just matchsticks. It's, floods are powerful things. Alem, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Oh God, God, please get me through this. Father, Father, where are you in the midst of this darkness? God, it, it, when's this going to stop? God, when's it going to end? Am I ever going to stand on firm foundation again? When, when will this end? It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. There may be times in your life where you can't explain why the bad is happening and you're not even sure what it's going to look like as, as time moves forward. But if your faith is the kind of faith that's talked about here in Hebrews, all of a sudden, hope comes. You can't explain it, but there it is. Why? Because it's not about you, it's Jesus. And he can tell you in the deepest, darkest night, listen, sweetheart, you're going to get through this. Listen, guy, this is going to end. This too will pass. And there will come a day where you remember, you remember once again what it is like to stand in the sunshine. We have to have that kind of faith. Humanity, humanity are, are uh, fickle, right? We, we sometimes, I, I said this because Russ was going to say this, so I'm not that vain, okay? Um, in crisis, we undervalue our relationship with Jesus. We cling to the things and we miss the reality that Jesus never leaves us. That's our relationship with him. He never promised that he would take away all of the hard, ever. In fact, he himself demonstrated the hardest thing ever. But he maintained who he was, his faith in his father. Sometimes, this is what I'm talking about, like we make a value, we, we actually come to this place of revelation in the midst of heart where all of a sudden it's exposed what we really value, who we really follow. Because when things go really bad, everybody asks the question, first, why? Why me? Why this? Why that? But then the second thing has to be where is God in this? And we have this, it's this pivotal moment in the midst of hard. I, uh, I, we experienced a death in uh, one of our ch children um, died by suicide. I only say that not to shock you, but, 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 to, but to tell you, I've actually walked this out. I, I don't like to talk about it too much because I think that uh, it's too private. But I, but I will say this. I had a choice to make in the middle of it. Because the flood came, I was not prepared, and it really shook me. But I had to choose to decide, am I going to cling to the things that are not eternal, or am I going to turn to Jesus and say, okay, I don't get it, 
I don't like it. I don't want it. But I still choose you. I don't feel like you have any better option when the flood comes. I, I feel like your best bet is to hang on to Jesus. Because no matter what comes, no matter what comes, no matter what, he either is God or he's not. He's either worth it or he's not. But you're never going to know if you don't come through a few floods with him sticking right by you. Then all of a sudden, your value for this God that you serve now is elevated. And now you're like, wow, I thought it was going to be about saving my daughter. That, that's not what it was about. It was finding a Jesus who never leaves that matters most. So I can say on the other side of that terrible flood, thank you, God. You are good. You're so good. You're so worth it. You know, we oftentimes, we want a faith that's, that's amazing and incredible without having to come through the flood. I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. You value what you understand you possess, and until you practice this faith out, you don't know what you have. You don't know what you hold in your hands. So I just want to propose to you that it could be, and, and you might be mad at me, that's okay, I can take it, that your difficult time, the thing that you hate most that's going on right now, that's really hard, that you feel like might take you out, is the greatest opportunity for you to discover the reality of a Jesus who really is Emmanuel, God with you. Come on. I want that for you. I want that for you. Because you're going to have to face the heart anyway. You might as well cling to your rock. It's awful quiet in here. We will be confronted in one way or another. Your pain is just as valid as my pain. In one way or another, you will be confronted with a flood in your life. I don't know what it will look like. It might be something that is comparatively small, let's say. It's still a flood. It's still hard. And you still have to choose what you're going to do in the middle of it. It's amazing to me how much choice is involved in our walk with God. It's everything. So God, we choose you. Now, I want to I go back to the hookah question that uh, we asked you in the beginning. And I want you to think about this metaphor that Jesus talked about with the flood and the, you know, the foundation, the digging deep, all of the stuff. And I want to ask you this question again. And you're going to just think about this. What is the most important part of your home? And why? Let's have the worship team come up. And if you guys, if you'll all stand... We're just going to do some business.
how's your foundation? How's it looking? You have a now a different understanding, hopefully, a more maybe filled understanding of foundation. And I want to propose these questions to you once again. We already talked about them, but I want you to kind of evaluate. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask Holy Spirit to do the inner workings here. Okay? So if you close your eyes, I don't want you looking around at your neighbors. Holy Spirit, I, I just want to do, and you guys, you can pray this however you want to pray it. I just want to do the work of realigning with who you are this morning. Would you show me which of these three things, relationship, communion, obedience, relationship, communion, obedience, which of these things, Holy Spirit, do you want me to address? Where is it in my life where I could stand to grow? Where do I need to change? How do I need to cling to you better? To stand firm in, in who you are and who you are in me. And this is where we do the work where we actually invite him to speak. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak to me right now. I know that you don't want me to leave the same way in which I came in. Why? Because I, if I'm missing part of who you are, then that is less than what you have for me. So I'm pretty confident that if there's an issue, you want to point it out. But you are so good and you're so loving. You don't bring condemnation, you bring freedom through conviction. And so I invite you, you do the heavy lifting here. Would you just convict my heart of where it is I need to make some critical changes and I want to just give, give just a little bit of time for you to listen. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus and this is your first time coming into a, a house where people believe in this, this Jesus and it's completely foreign to you, then today's the day. Today's the day. Maybe, maybe you are in the midst of a flood and it's totally taken you out and you know it. You've become angry or you've become bitter or you've jumped into this place where you've become God for everybody else. Like you're telling everybody else how to live their lives. You're telling everybody else what to do and the reality is you don't want to look at where you are because you're not real sure about where you are. Today's the day to deal with that. You just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to change that in me. I don't want to be like that. Change me, Jesus. Maybe you know how to hear God, 
you know what he's telling you to do and you've been hanging on to a directive that he's given to you on a certain situation. And you are hesitating. You don't want to do it. Or maybe you're grappling with this. Is this me? Is this God? Is this me? Is this? Listen, if it's loving, if it's good, it's God. Do it. Get it done. The biggest hang-up is not God, it's you. Ouch, we don't like that. God's always speaking and he's always moving in our direction. We just got to say yes. So today's the day, say yes and walk it out. And Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. Listen, this God is worth knowing. He's worth giving it all for. He cares very little about the rules. He's way more invested in love than law. He wants not religion. That's what killed him. He wants relationship. Would you just give him your yes? Can today be the day? Now I want to challenge you. If God has spoken to you this morning, I want you to share it with someone at your table. Why? Because there's something about speaking out the things that God is speaking in to you. And you might just find that somebody else can identify with what you're saying. Will you do that? Okay. Because, hey, You're going to get out of this what you put into it. Give it everything. Don't miss the opportunity. And let's worship God. Bless you.